Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Welcome back to the Lottery Podcast. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. And this week's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm joined today by Yahoo Sports' Kristen Peake. By the time NBA prospects get to college, they're practically old news to Kristen. She starts covering them at an early age in high school. She's the perfect person to bring on to talk about her experiences, her observations over the years with a handful of the top prospects who will be declaring for the 2020 draft through what looks like an abbreviated draft process for a draft that has no date or location in like the weirdest time to be alive. So anyway, Kristen, how you doing? You staying safe? I am great. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. You know, it's been really fun to cover basketball when there's no basketball. So <laughs> that's been good. I mean, I talked to um, this kid, Amani Bates, yesterday, who is the first sophomore ever. First, uh, this kid. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Nice I know. casual. They are, they, they are kids to me, but I spoke to him yesterday. And, you know, at the end of it, this was supposed to be the first live period for college coaches to be able to see top recruits like Amani like some uh, Jalen Duran, like all these other players that are coming up. And, and I, and I asked him, I said, well, how are you dealing with that? And he said, Oh, I'm just working out in the backyard, you know, working out with my dad. And then he said, but KP, cause they all call me KP. He's like, KP, there's, there's going to be a peach jam, right? We have to have a peach jam. And I was like, sorry, buddy. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. Sorry, KP. Like, no, yeah. no peach jam for anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was just watching one of Bates like on YouTube because that's the only thing to watch, like right, some right. really poorly shot game. Um, but um, anyway, why don't you give everyone just a quick breakdown of like, you know, your experience in, in uh, basketball and, and reporting and kind of everything uh, you do? Yeah, of course. Um, I've been covering grassroots and high school basketball for the past seven years on the national level. So when you know when you and I, I was specifically working for rivals.com before they switched me over to the Yahoo Sports side who owns rivals um, but we covered the top 100 150 players from incoming seniors juniors sophomores and if they're really special you know we're talking about Bronny James or, or a player like Amani Bates that when they're incoming freshmen so I get eyeballs on these on these players on a very early you know I sit down with them we I interview them, you know, kind of try to get them a little more media savvy. I know their parents. I see them all the time, you know, so I kind of go through this process with them. And then once they're in college, specifically the one and dones, I cover them uh, for Yahoo. And then once the draft comes, typically I would go to the Barclays Center and interview them once they realize their dreams, once they hear their name. So it's really fulfilling for me because it's a full circle process, just being with them in these backyard gyms you know, with no air conditioning to draft night and summer league and beyond. So I, I love my job. And this is a crazy year to be going through everything. It's crazy. And honestly, if you're an NBA team, I mean, you're the person exactly, Kristen, that the team should be talking to because they're trying to get, you know, a feel for the bigger picture. You know, for most part, they can't, NBA 
teams can't go into high school gyms. And so you right. know the, you know these kids since the, the first time they step on to a high school floor and you kind of watch them uh, grow from high school and then get to see them in college and then, of course, in the pros. So that's kind of why it's perfect to have you on here um, to talk about, you know, everyone – most of the listeners here probably have are seeing these guys for the first time in college, but for you, um, you've seen them for a long time. So uh, I want to hear about your observations, your experiences with a lot of these guys. But let's start with your trip to Australia earlier this year to see Lamella Ball and R.J. Hampton, of course, two of the most highly touted prospects in this draft. And just kind of paint me a picture because I, I hadn't got to go there. I've never been to Australia to an NBL game. Um, so kind of paint me a picture of like what a game is like there um, and kind of the experiences that, you know, RJ and LaMelo went through. Yeah, well, let's start. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what the NBL was three years ago when I went over to see Terrence Ferguson, who's now with Oklahoma City Thunder. And then a year later, I went and saw Brian Bowen Tubbs, who's now um, with the Indiana Pacers. So it's definitely different from the time I went to Terrence Ferguson's game when he was with the Adelaide 76ers to now LaMelo Ball, who has been the biggest thing since Australia basketball in the NBL. I mean, he he pulled something huge and actually bought the team that he played for this year, which is such a boss move, the Illawarra Hawks. But I, I thankfully, I got to go over there when both of those players were still playing. I went um, the end of November and early December. And um, lucky me, I was there for LaMelo's two triple-double games. So he played up in Cairns, had a triple-double there, and then they were playing over in New Zealand in Auckland against the NZ Breakers, which is the team that RJ was playing for. So, I mean, you want to talk about night and day. LaMelo, he just has this effect where everyone wants to come see this kid play. And every little kid is wearing an Illawarra Hawks jersey and screaming his name. He had to wear these, like, Bose headphones or Beats by Dre headphones during warm-ups just to stay focused because kids were just yelling his name and he, he takes it so well. He's definitely matured. I knew him as an eighth grader because um, I live in Los Angeles. So when he was at Chino Hills and reclass to be a freshman, so he could play with his older brother, Lonzo and Leangelo one year in high school. So the three brothers were all playing together. And back then he was just a punk. I would say he was a punk all the way until he went to Lithuania and had to grow up because he was, a, living in Lithuania, and B, playing against grown men. Um, so it was, it's nice to see the transformation. He's taking it more seriously. I think he's focused. He's actually playing defense. The shots he's taken, they're not the pull-up from half court and just chuck it, you know, like we've seen in high school when he used to do that. He had 92 points in one game, and half of them were shot from the half court line. So I was pleasantly surprised, and um, there were three teams – scouts um, that were there with me as well and they liked what they saw from him just from um, a maturity level and how he was like acted with his teammates and everything um, so yeah it was it was I'm really glad I got to go over there yeah so I mean that's been the biggest thing for me and I wasn't even there but you could just tell that like he kind of like grew up and um, and, and not only grew up off the floor but like you said, on the floor, he wasn't taking those logo pull-ups, but he like was playing the right way. He was making guys around him better. He was focused on getting teammates involved, and it was almost like he was trying to you know earn the approval of his coaches and and, uh, and his teammates and show that he's not this punk that he's actually a good basketball player and he can make guys around him better. Now um, and then, of course, then there's this aspect that like everyone 
kind of questions whether or not he's professional enough to be taken seriously as a pro prospect. So, I mean, there is obviously so much noise, like you said, around him. And you mentioned those headphones. Like we were both at Hoopal, and Bronny James is wearing those headphones as well because mm-hmm. he steps out on the floor and, and you know he's got to block out some of the noise. And and uh, so I totally understand that idea. And I wonder if they got that from Lamelo. But um, just like, how does he deal? with so much attention, you know, something I always think about is like, I think the best thing that happened to him is that he became a celebrity so much earlier that by now he's like kind of bored of being that celebrity. He kind of wants the cameras to go away instead of pulling them in. So how did he, how is, do you think his mindset was in terms of dealing with all the attention? I think he's handling, just like you said, like he, he got famous. He had a reality show so young, you know, when he was what, 14, 15. So he's used to the cameras, he's used to the attention, he's used to the two point whatever million people following him on, on Instagram and, and all of that that comes with it. So he's now it's just what he knows. And when you talk to him, it's like I, I sat down with him for 10 minutes. And to me, it was just like, well, this is all I know. This is normal. And he's got his manager, uh, Jermaine Jackson, JJ, uh, who was over there with him. And, you know, to them, it was just a business trip. It's like, we're here to work. And what I really, really appreciated is his teammates loved him. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it was night and day from the shoot around with the Illawarra Hawks to the shoot around with RJ Hampton and the Ed Zed Breakers. It's like, they loved LaMelo and they loved playing with them. LaMelo was super cool to his teammates, you know, joking around with them, chucking. The first shot he always takes whenever he steps on the court is a three, every single time. I've never seen any him take any other shot when he steps on the court other than that three. And he got along. He wasn't like showboating anyone. It was just, you know, these are my teammates and I'm going to try to make them better. Right. So now that, you know, there's no basketball, he only played like 13 games or so. Um, and there are some questions, I guess, on the floor about how his game's going to transition. But NBA teams from from here on out or from his last game, which is that triple-double game, I think they're kind of, their their focus, their priority is to find out more about him as a teammate, um, is he coachable, and pretty much what you're saying is exactly what they're going to want to hear, uh, that teammates, the guys like playing with him, guys like being around him. So when he interviews with them, because it's you know that's going to be such a huge part of this process when a, a team is a top, maybe the number one pick in the draft, and they're thinking about LaMelo, like that interview is going to be huge. He's got to ace that interview. Do you think he's going to really surprise some people with – um, again, how, how mature he is and, and you think he's going to interview well, that's going to go well for him. I don't see the thing with the ball brothers, because their dad is such a talker. I mean, I, I'm sure you've talked to Lonzo before the, the, the brothers, they're not one of many words, mm-hmm. right? So with the interview process and him not being able to show how tight his handle is for a player that's six, seven or his passing in his pick and roll game and how much more advanced it is than Lonzo at his level. I think it's going to hurt him in the draft process, honestly. Like, he's a very polite kid. Um, he was very gracious for me coming over, which I didn't expect from him. I thought I was rolling my eyes thinking like, oh, now I have to talk to him. He doesn't say much. It's one word answers. He doesn't give me anything. But he was very articulate, which makes me think he realizes how serious this process is. And, you know, he's right there. He has had one of the most <laughs> craziest path to the NBA that we've seen from any prospect. So to him, it's like, okay, it's right there. It's right there. You know, so if he has to be more personable in these interviews, I think he's going to step up to it. But um, I think the NBA teams are just going to have a lot of questions and a lot of questions surrounding his dad and what he's going to bring to the table. But I'll tell you this, when I spoke to LaMelo and I spoke to JJ, 
And LaMelo told me there was the article I wrote and he said he thinks he's the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And I said to JJ, I said, well, you know, I'm going to have to get a comment from LaVar. And he said, he's like, KP, he's sitting this one out. And I said, what? No, he's not. There's no way. Like, you, we know LaVar. Like, we, we saw what happened with Lonzo. No way he's sitting it out. And sure enough, you know, um, I got in touch with LaVar and I said, hey, I just talked to LaMelo. He thinks he's the number one pick. Do you have a comment? And he just goes, no comment. And wow. I, I was like, is this the right number? Like, what is <laughs> happening? So I, I think, you know, he realizes he needs to do what's best for his son in this situation. And um, it's going to help him. For it's sure. crazy. It's like they both transformed, right? Like, like right. Romello transformed, and and his father kind of took notes from his son, and now he realizes like how he's got to go about uh, dealing with this whole thing. It's crazy, and I wonder if if teams, and I don't know, I don't know this, if teams are gonna just from a, a judgment standpoint, if they're going to like the fact that Lamelo is a man in few words, or if they're gonna like want to hear more and want to hear more of like a charming personality. I don't know. I guess it really is in the eye of the beholder. But anyway, I have, I've had LaMelo number one on my board since, uh, again, that, that last triple double game. Um, I just, I, I love his game. I have no questions about whether it's going to translate or not. Of course, you know, the, the, from a scouting perspective, everyone is questioning, I guess, his strength and his shooting. But, um, you know, do you have any thoughts on watching him shoot a basketball? Is there anything that jumps out to you that's a concern or, uh, are you buying his jump shot? I don't mind his jump shot. It's not as weird as Lonzo's. Um, I know he took a lot of shots over in Australia, but his team was horrible. They were in last place. He had to hit the like he had to be the one to take all those shots. And another thing is like if his teammates would have caught and finished half of the passes that he was giving them in transition, in half court, in the lane, like what he was seeing, he probably would have averaged ten assists a game. Like that's how that's how well he was seeing the court. In Australia in the two games that I saw the only thing that I will knock him for and the only thing that I think teams will kind of have a little hesitation taking him number one is his size he's 6'7 190 like he needs to get some meat on his bones and also his on-ball defense like his on-ball defense is horrible he's really good in the wing and challenging shots with his length but RJ Hampton would blow by him every single time any chance any chance he wanted so I think that would be the only hesitation. All right, last question on Lamella before we move to RJ. Uh, we're looking at some of these lottery teams, and I'm trying to peg, you know, which are good fits, which are bad fits. I live in New York. Um, <laughs> <laughs> every Nick fan is, I, th- I think, I think the, the consensus is they want Lamella Ball. Do you think Lamella Ball should want New York? Yes, I think New York is a perfect fit for him. Um, just looking at the dynamics of the team. And it would be the most New York Knicks thing to do is to draft LaMelo Ball. You know, I think there or possibly um, Golden State would also be an okay fit for him, um, just being the shooter he is and the star power along Steph and Clay. Um, yeah, but New York, man. I have wherever the Knicks are in my mock draft, I don't care if it's one, two, three, or four. I have them taking Lamelo because I just want it to happen so bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm outspoken and rooting for it as well. Uh, man, the city needs a little spark, and I think, uh, like you said, they, I think they would just—they're kind of made for each other. But um, let's go to RJ because RJ doesn't get talked about enough, and personally, 
Um, just, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, I'm kind of stuck in terms of how I project him on one end. You see a 6'5 athlete, you know, loves to get downhill, attack, you know, explosive in transition. We saw flashes of playmaking overseas. Um, everything I hear about him, uh, you know, great locker room guy. People love to be around him, super mature. Is that kind of the feeling you got from him um, in terms of personality? Oh, 100%. Super high character. I mean, you want to talk about someone who's going to nail these draft interviews? Mm -hmm. It's RJ Hampton, 100%. Like, he's very well-spoken, very personable. Um, he's a hard worker. Like you said, his downhill game is one of the best, you know, in this draft. And his crossover, he is one of the best crossovers. And he's actually gotten better off the wing as well. Because, you know, in high school, it was just point guard, point guard. He could get to lane whenever he wanted. But over in Australia, I think they were really trying to get him to be like a combo guard because that's, I think, where his value is in the NBA. Yeah, totally. I think he's going to have to play alongside another more natural passer point guard. Um, you know, my, my one fear with him, and I, and I still say that he's like a high floor guy, like a low risk, he's going to be an NBA player. Yeah. You know, the one thing is like, okay, so what's his bread and butter other than transition, right? Is he... He's not really a point guard, but he can pass. He's a, a scorer, but he's not a great shooter. You know, that's where I'm kind of stuck in the mud with him. Kind of try and convince me that RJ has some star potential or tell me that he doesn't. No, no, no. I think, uh, well, listen, this is such a top-heavy draft. There's, I mean, I, I'll say top-heavy as a nice way. I think it's a weak draft, and <laughs> nobody really knows what we're going to get out of these players three, four, five years down the road. Um I, I don't, I don't know. I'm the same. I don't know about RJ. Um, he, his, his jump shot is still a work in progress. Um, but he's super athletic. He can play above the rim. I, I think when you look at his star quality, if he can get that jump shot, um, and he has the work ethic to be able to want that, then I think he could be something down the road or he couldn't. It's, it's I'm 50, with you on it as well with RJ. Sure. Yeah, he, he's one of the tougher guys. And, and, you know, you mentioned a weak draft. I like to kind of describe it as it's it may not be, you know, we may find out five years from now that, like, you know, the best player is the 15th pick overall. And, you know, CJ right. McCollum goes 10 and Pascal Siakam goes 27. It's just harder right now to identify who the stars are going to be. But I, I feel pretty good that we're going to get a couple from this class. I just don't know where they're going to come from and, and who they're going to be and where they're going to go in the draft. Um, I want to get on touch on some of these other guys who are all declaring um, and you have, you know, again, you've known them for, for so long and watched them since they were kids and then they play 30 games in college and they're off to the pros. So let's start with another guy in that number one overall conversation, arguably the favorite. I think every mock draft I do right now, I put Anthony Edwards at number one and, um, you know, I've seen him a decent amount in high school and of course I've watched a ton at Georgia and I don't think there are any questions about like talent. Like he's maybe the hot highest talent guy in terms of natural gifts plus he's got a high skill level i personally have questions and, and maybe you can help me out with answering them about his professionalism and his you know basketball iq in terms of knowing how to apply his natural talents to, to impact winning so give me your your perspective or your experiences with anthony edwards in terms of who he is um, as a person and and what he needs to improve on really to be a, a, a real not just a productive pro but like an impact winning pro yeah I mean when with Ant um, Ant-Man um, you know he played football at a pretty high level until high school 
And, you know, story goes, he saw his brother dunk in a high school game and saw the fans go crazy. And he just decided, that's what I want to do. <laughs> so he's super athletic. He has great hands from being a wide receiver growing up all those years playing. I mean, football is king in Georgia, you know, so it's, it's not surprising that he played football for so long. But um, yeah, another kid in high school, uh, he kind of busted on the scene, I want to say between his sophomore and junior year at the MBPA Top 100 camp, where he just killed everyone on the court. And he said that was the turning moment for him where he knew, oh yeah, I'm one of the best players in the country. Because that camp, it's so long, they play so many games, and you know, it's annoying for someone in media, especially who's shooting video, to have so much content. But you could see from the first day of that uh, event to the last day, he grew so much as a player. And that's what, with you know, these top guys, you have to have that confidence because you go from high school to college, and then college to the pros, and usually in just a short amount of time. So if you don't have the confidence in yourself, you're going to fall. And for Ant to pick a school like Georgia, you know, to stay close to home and not have that winning season, it's a lot to go through. And to play for a coach like Tom Crean, who have you ever been to one of Tom Crean's practices before? I haven't. <laughs> it's very intense. Very intense. He's, um, you know, always pacing and he made it an effort because Tom Crean has also coached players like Ant, like Victor Oladipo and Dwayne Wade. So when he hones in on a player like Anthony Edwards, he really wants to make sure that he's giving him all the tools that he has and getting these other NBA guys to where they want to be in their NBA careers because he has that short amount of time. So um, the only thing that I would, would question about Anthony is just there, there's some times like in the Memphis game um, I was at, I was sitting right by the bench and you know there'd be times when they were losing that game. They ended up winning it, but... He just, it, there looked like there was no fire there. It was just mm -hmm. kind of lackadaisical almost. And so that would be the only thing. It's like, does he really want it? Or is he just really super, super talented? It's just that little, it's not, it's not a lot. It's not a lot of worry, but it's just that little bit of glimpse of worry there. Right. I think it's a worry if you're considering him with the number one overall pick. Right. Right. I mean, we have to kind of lower the bar when you get down to two, three, four. Um, and like I said before, like he's going to be a productive pro. He's going to average 20 a game. In the league, and I guess at number four overall, that's like amazing. But number one overall, you kind of expect to to change your franchise a little bit, and so that's kind of my concern with taking Edwards at number one and and thinking like a team like the Knicks who need a franchise player. Like I would totally take Lamelo Ball, who has the chance to kind of change things around him, over a guy like Edwards, who I mean, who I just feel really confident about being productive, but not um, not you know, can he impact? winning and so uh, i'm curious to see how he evolves again his professionalism and and whether or not he i don't want to say takes things more seriously but you know he loves to show boat he loves to dance a little bit um and so uh just kind of him in terms of professionalism how what level can he get to and and when can you really put his foot on the gas um and then this is kind of a good segue to james wiseman because i think james wiseman in high school some of the the concerns with him or the criticism he received uh, focused on his energy and his motor. So he only plays three games. I think that's scouts kind of wanted to see, okay, is he really a competitor or is he just, you know, such a, just a spectacular talent physically? Um, tell me what you thought about James Wiseman coming into the season and what you think of him now. You know what? Like, I, I feel like James's senior year in high school, he was a little bit misunderstood 
and his lackadaisical nature was taken for doesn't want to play doesn't doesn't want the game but in actuality he the the politics of his recruitment were so beyond him in the sense well we we all know what happened now but he had so many different people pulling him in so many different directions and when you're a kid you're just like well this just must be it you know and for him it's like he just wanted to play was it going to be Kentucky was it going to be Memphis you know and at the end of the day he went to Memphis and we all know what happened it's it's history but um people that were around him they're like oh he doesn't want it he but when you would sit down and genuinely have a conversation with him it's just like he was just tired he was tired of the entire process and he was just like KP I just can't wait to get to Memphis and work like I I'm, I just want to be done with this and that's what he did in preseason he totally built up his body I went to a couple of practices and you know every practice that I went to uh every NBA team was there every single NBA team so you know in order of like when you say oh we only played three games it's like no but there was an open door there like Penny and Mike Miller let any team come in there that wanted to like most universities Kentucky's the same um and so i think through practice they they saw what they would be getting from him but yeah it does hurt him that he only played three games and what has he been doing now you know is he really working hard down in Miami um but i i like James Wiseman i think you know, when you look at a team like the Warriors and they can't play small ball forever. Someone has to guard Anthony Davis and, and Giannis in the West. So to have a big body there and who can do a shot block him or big O Onyeko Okamu, I think would be a perfect fit for the Warriors. Right. So my only, of, of course, see, he, he fits that, that five hole that they've kind of been missing for a while. My only, um, the only thing I would say against the Warriors taking Wiseman, and this is what I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, is like the offense runs through all their guards and wings, and you're going to use a top pick on like your fourth or fifth option in the offense. I think you, you can get like a, a cheaper free agent to do what Wiseman would do in Golden State. That's my only knock on the idea of of Wiseman. No, that's to fair. Golden State. So if in, so, do you have any concerns just about in general of his style of play? Like, I mean, I hate to use ask you a comparison on the spot. But his style of play is, you know, he's a, a finisher, um, a, a put-back guy in the offensive glass. Um, he's got some post moves. But in today's league, you know, they're valuing big guys who can play around the perimeter and not just shoot but put the ball on the floor and attack closeouts and pass. Um, he doesn't really fit that profile. He fits more of like a Dwight Howard profile. Yeah. Um, is there any, is there any um, comparison you have in mind and, and you have any concerns about his style of play in a game that's changed? Oh, man, and you hit it right on right on the nose, just in, in the sense where he can knock down the three. He does have somewhat of a pick-and-pop game, but it's not someone, you know, like Isaac Okuru or, like I said, Big O, Onyeko Okongwu, who's a little more agile, Obi Toppin, you know, in that, in that role. Um, I just don't know. <laughs> this is just such a weird draft, and you don't know what everyone's priorities are. You know, you can look at what he did in high school and how he dominated and um, his shot blocking ability. But when it really comes to the modern day NBA game, it's like, like you said, can you take him number one as a third, fourth or fifth option? Right. And he's got, a, I mean, if you already have a center, he, he can't, he can't play the four. I, I can't picture him playing power forward. So only, there's only going to be certain suitors for Wiseman. That's why I'm, it's going to be so interesting to see where he goes and how 
teams up valuing him in, in a league that's that's so different. All right, before we move on, um, because wow, we're, we're already 27 minutes in, <laughs> and it's so far really great stuff. Um, I just got to give a shout out to Bet Online with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB. You might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations so you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Open all open 24 hours a day and all online. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. All right, let's let's go through a little more rapid fire to get you out of here. Um, uh, let's see, Tyrese Maxey. All right, Tyrese Maxey, I'm high on. Tyrese Maxey is one of those guys who, if I was an NBA team, I would completely like ignore this year and, and not look at the shooting percentages. Um, or the stats, like I just see an NBA player and somebody kind of just oozes positive energy. Um, give me your take on Tyrese Maxey before he got to Kentucky and what you think of him now. Yeah, Tyrese in high school shot lights out. Mm-hmm. And Coach Cal, I remember he said to me, he said it so, it's so frustrating because you watch a player in high school just shoot and shoot and shoot. And then they get to my program and they're not hitting any shots and so then it gets in their head and they don't know what to do and so you don't know the different tactics you have to adapt like do you yell at them or do they not take that well and the thing with Tyrese is and like you said he's just like the best personality ever is like coach said I would yell at Reese and I would say you know you gotta get your feet set you got it and he would just turn to me and smile and just say I got you coach I got you you know, so he's just, he's a very positive player. Um, I agree with you. Um, this last year at Kentucky, it was just such a question mark. Like he had that first game of the season, the day after his birthday, every NBA scout was there in New York. I'm sure you were at that game and yep. he was the best player on the court. And then it was just kind of uh, not so great the rest of the season. Emmanuel quickly stepped up and became the guy, you know, for Kentucky. Um, so he kind of took a backseat um, and, and IQ was nailing shots you know instead of Tyrese but um I again high character guy that is going to do very well in these draft interviews with these teams and he's going to be a great locker room guy and I think he's going to have a long career in the NBA right so I feel that way I would take him top 10 and then I talked to NBA scouts who have him and not all of them just like a couple who who don't see it I've heard like best case scenario Wesley Matthews comparison the other day like some guys just don't see it uh, yeah which is which is what makes this all scouting experience you know fun and unique is that two guys can watch the same player and have completely different takes um right the range the range for these players is insane like when we look at someone like nico Mannion, it's like uh is he gonna go six or 20. you know it's (laughs) (laughs) so the range, and you can say that for a lot of players in the first round yeah i know i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna fill out my mock draft board blindfolded this year because um (laughs) you know there's really not much point in putting too much thought into it um all right, let's go to Zeke Naji. Zeke Naji is a guy who I honestly um, didn't expect to be a one-and-done freshman. Um, he wasn't on my preseason top 50 list. I actually went to I went to Minnesota, uh, and one of his coaches from high school, I was speaking at some event, and he goes, what do you think of Zeke Naji? Do you think he has a chance to be drafted? And this was at a time, like after the first month of the season, I was like, actually, I'm hearing this guy could go first round. Um, so give me your experiences with Zeke. 
Oh my gosh. All right. I can, this is one of, I love this story so much. So I remember I saw Zeke was playing with Matt Hurt, who um, is currently at Duke and Tyrell Terry, who also declared for the draft. He's at Stanford. And when you watched him play, everything ran through Matt Hurt. Matt was a top 10 player in high school, five-star, you know, went to Duke. So it was all the intention, all the attention was on Matthew Hurt, Matthew Hurt, Matthew Hurt. And I was in Atlanta on a Adidas gauntlet series, whatever, AU, whatever. And I'm watching Zeke. And I just, I said, I said to my coworker, Eric Bossy, he's like, oh, are you going to get Matthew Hurd after this for an interview? And I said, no, I'm going to go talk to that kid, Zeke Naji. I don't know who he is, but he, his game had so much upside. So I went up to him uh, after the game. And by then, at that point, he'd only had mid-major offers. Minnesota, I think, was his best offer. And this is going into his senior year. And I said, um, hey, Zeke, I'm Kristen. I'm, I'm with Rivals.com. He said, oh, are you here to ask me questions about Matt Hurt? And I said, no, I want to do an interview on you. And he's like, what? And I said, yeah, I just shot your highlights. I think you played really well. And so then it just kind of blossomed from there. He got an invite to USA Basketball. Didn't really play well there, but... He got exposure to play with these top recruits and then decided to go to Arizona. Um, and at this point, it was between Arizona, Baylor, Kansas, UCLA. Like, they were all in on him. And then he's playing with Josh Green and Nico Mannion, two other first-rounders possibly. And he grew two inches over the summer. So he became this long, skilled, great, you know, power forward. And I saw him after the USC game recently, and he said, KP, I wasn't even supposed to be a starter this year. This is crazy. I can't believe this is all happening. I said, I know it's going to go fast. You worked hard, like, it's, but you're right. From someone, he just came from nowhere. Yeah, and, sud and suddenly I'm rooting for Zeke. You know? Yeah. Um, it seems like the type of guy to root for. Actually, I had an agent reach out to me yesterday, and he goes, book it. I'm talking to a lot of NBA teams who have him ranked higher than Nico Mannion, which is like you know something that's that's crazy to think about based yeah. on uh, where we were a couple months ago, right before the season. Actually, let's just stick to Josh Green. Green is a really fun player, of course, played at IMG last year, so a lot of exposure. Um, I think we kind of knew exactly what we were getting with him, and I, he's one of those guys where he hasn't really moved much in my rankings. He's been in that late lottery to early 20 range, explosive, uh, you know, capable shotter, capable shot maker, uh, but needs to improve his shooting and, and really energetic on defense. Um, what have you seen from Green since I'm sure you've seen him plenty yeah, before he got here? So Josh is originally from Australia, um, yep. right outside Sydney, and I lived in Australia for two years before I took a job back in the States at Yahoo um, for Yahoo Sports. So immediately when I found out he was from Sydney, I met him at the Basketball Without Borders um, at the NBA All-Star Game, I want to say, when it was in L.A., so whenever that was, three or four years ago. Um, so I met his mom, you know, and, and I've just been rooting for him ever since. And the thing is like Josh has always played alongside Nico. So on the AAU team, they played three years together. Um, he went to IMG, but he was always playing alongside other five stars. So it's like, is this, are you hiding? Or is this, you're just comfortable you're, You want, you want to be able to play with the best and alongside the best because they challenge you every day in practice. And I honestly, I think it's the latter. Like he just wants to be the best he can. He wants to make a name for himself for his country of Australia. He wants to do all the little things right. Like you said, his his shot making has improved tremendously. I think his one year at Arizona. And he told me he said, 
at the beginning of the season, he said, I want to be defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. Like that's, he's like, I love playing defense. Who, what kid says that? No player ever says that. Um, but you're right. Like, I think he's late lottery, early 20s for sure. Um, Onyeka Okangu, Big O, another guy who, he was not on my top 50. And I had seen him. I was there. And I think you were there too when he went for like 35 against Zion. And um, b- before he got to USC. And he's still, there are questions, 6'9", post score. Like, does his game really project to the NBA level? I watched him play that, that first game at USC when he had eight blocks. Oh, man. And I, and I immediately... And usually I don't like to make knee-jerk reactions, but it was so persuasive and convincing. I immediately moved him to 13, and then, you know, after every game, he kind of moved up, and now he's number four for me. But, uh, you know, obviously he's high energy on the floor, but off the floor he seems pretty reserved and quiet. Yes, very. that is that is a very good observation. He is, and he played with the Ball Brothers at Chino Hills for two years. So basically his only role for those two years at Chino Hills before they left was rebounding, running up and like his conditioning, running up and down the court and shot blocking. Mm-hmm. Like the, he, he didn't take any shots, you know? And so um, around his senior year, uh, I won't, I mean, I'll say this as nicely as possible. He had some injury issues um, and we saw that a little bit at USC this year, but he just got lazy. Mm-hmm. And then when he didn't make the McDonald's All-American game, that cut him, like it cut him to his soul to the point where he said, I'm about to show everyone that I'm wrong, that I am better than this kid that made the game, this player that made the game. I'm this one year, or when I go to USC, I'm gonna show everyone wrong. And he did that in the first game. He got his body right. He lost the weight that he had gained his senior year in high school and he got serious about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are people that question, like on the floor, if we're talking about basketball skills, whether or not um, he's outdated, you know, to be a top pick in this draft. But I think he's like, just in plain simple terms, he's really good. I mean, he's yeah, just yeah. like, he's just like his footwork is so much better. His, um, I mean, he's not just like a basic over-the-shoulder hook shot guy. Like he can really shake you down there. Um, and then obviously the shot blocking and the dunking and the athleticism and the switching um, and some self-midrain touch. I mean, I, I have him over Wiseman. I, I just think he's so much more versatile. I know he doesn't have Wiseman's physical tools and, and the, the length and all that. But, um, but man, he's, he's good. He's gotten much better um yeah yeah how about um so how about a guy i get asked a lot and honestly uh, and maybe i just overlooked him or maybe i just had this i kind of made a, a projection too early emmanuel quickly so he, of course he becomes sec player of the year last year he was he was pretty quiet i mean i think he averaged like five points as a freshman oh yeah yeah he did not have a good year last year no right and then when you look at you know on paper he's like a six three two guard he's not very athletic he doesn't really create but he turned into one of the best shooters in the country. I know he's a good shooter in high school, but he was like legit, like an amazing shooter this year um, and a good defender. And now people are wondering, well, how good can quickly be an NBA player? I mean, give me some thoughts on, on quickly. Yeah. So Emmanuel in high school, he actually played point guard. And I think where he struggled when he got to Kentucky is he came in with Ashton Hagens who had reclass. And so it probably hurt his ego a little bit and it showed because he had to adjust to a new position of being a shooting guard and not being the one with the ball in his hands. Um, and when he was a point guard in high school, it was, he, he shot it well, but he was more about getting in. Oh, it. This drove me nuts. Every time I saw him fight, he would get to the rim and then just go, Hey, you know, those players that do that to try to get the ref to call the foul when <laughs> they weren't fouled at all. It's me. the worst. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, this year, you know, it, it was really, really great to see him kind of grow into the role that he had and, 
I hope he gets drafted. I think he could be an NBA player in this game where teams value shooters. And he definitely proved that he can be a shooter this year. Um, but where do you have him? I mean, it's like I, I talked to a team. I talked to a team last week, and they said they another another team that wasn't maybe we talked to the same team that wasn't high on Tyrese Maxey, and they said I would take Emmanuel quickly over Maxey. <laughs> right. So the, where do you have? So this is the, the the really answer is all it takes is one out of thirty teams to really like him, and yeah. I, I got a feeling that one out of thirty teams is going to really like him, and you know take him the way uh, Philly took Landry Shamit or. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was Philly. Right. Like, I didn't have Shamit going first round, but I could just totally see a team saying, like, this guy is a lethal shooter. He can defend his position. And that's enough for me to take him in the 20s in a draft that's loaded with uncertainty. So, right. Even uh, like Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Like, nobody saw that. All, <laughs> you know all, it takes is the, all it takes is the Golden State Warriors, one team, to think <laughs> that this guy has it. And that's why projecting, you know, talking about draft stock is so silly because 29 teams could think you suck. But if one guy, if one team out there, thinks you're worth a first-round pick, then that's really all that matters. Um, before you have to go, let's do just a couple more. Um, Jalen Smith, Maryland, because I think he had a really, really good bounce-back year. Yes. Um, somebody I was high on before he got to Maryland, then kind of cooled on him last year, and then this year he came alive. I talked to some Maryland coaches, and they're like, he's a yes-sir, no-sir type of guy. Give me what you got on Sticks. Yeah, Sticks. I mean, and the reason why he has the name, the nickname Sticks is he was so skinny in high school like that that guy could probably eat 20 hamburgers and never gain any weight in high school and it was so frustrating because you're like you could be a really great big if you just put some meat on you because you were getting destroyed in the post um but yeah the same thing like i i really liked sticks in high school um there were times where he took games off and it was really annoying because to me if you're a five star you need to play like a five star all the time and there's this one play, um, I was going through my video footage, and it was the McDonald's All-American game, and Darius Garland threw up an alley-oop, and it's um, Sticks, Jalen Smith and Zion running down the court, and Sticks is in front of him, and Zion's right behind, and they both go to jump, but then I think they realize that they're both jumping, so neither one of them jump, and the camera, or the, cam- the ball hits my camera, and like, breaks it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a funny clip and I was like oh yeah the time that both Zion and Sticks go for the oop and neither one of them get it um, but when I talked to some of the Maryland coaches in between this freshman sophomore year for him um, they just said they're like oh he's not Sticks anymore wait till you see him I know and it's crazy yeah and then watching him this season oh my gosh like he what did he have like five threes against Indiana he went five yeah. for six from the three yep. Just like okay, he gets it now. I'm so excited for him. Yeah, I mean, his, to think that he was got a nickname based on being skinny is like hard to even comprehend. Looking at his upper body now. Yeah. Um, last couple guys. Um, how about Cassius Stanley? Because Cassius Stanley from Duke was somebody who was not on draft boards to start the season. Uh, like I said before, it only takes one team. I talked to one scout who had him top five. I mean, I, he's like. I know that's crazy. I told him he was crazy, and he said, "Yeah, I know a lot of people don't agree with me, but like I see Jalen Brown. Like, what you know? Give me, give me some Cassius Stanley before and after Duke." So Cassius uh, is a Southern California kid. Um, I've obviously I've known him for a while. He played at Sierra Canyon, which is now obviously the home of Bronny James um, and other five stars. But with Cassius, um, you know, we have to remember he is turning 21 in August. Yep. So he was a player that kept reclassing, reclassing, reclassing. 
And it got to a point where, yes, he's a high flyer. Yes, his dunks are amazing. He has a great body, his great skill, athletic. But his jump shot just isn't there. And it hasn't been there since he was a sophomore in high school. So you saw him on the rise, on the rise, and then it's just plateau. But then he gets to do, and this is one of my favorite questions to ask um, players that have been there for a while, you know, like Jack White. I was talking to him and I said, who's your favorite freshman? Like who, who, who's really taken to the team? Who's your favorite freshman? And it, like in the locker room and at practice. And he said, Cash Stanley. So to me, that shows his maturity this year. And, you know, when I, I went to a couple of Duke games and I, I talked to Cash after the game and, and he's just like, he's like, I'm locked in KP. Like I, I, I'm right there and I know what I need to do. Coach K is really just honed in on how much work it's going to take, which I think he did that with a Cassius Stanley and also Vernon Carey because where did he come from this year um and you know he had an injury and was just okay on his way back but yeah it's like you said like nobody knows what he's going to be as an NBA player right um yeah he's going to need that that jump shot he's not too creative off the dribble but man he right. is some kind of he's some kind so of athletic. athletic yeah it's crazy um all right last guy Cole Anthony Cole Anthony to me is one of the most um polarizing guys in the draft I mean he came in for me, top top three, I believe. Um, I've seen mock draft boards where he's like 15. Um, I think he's one of those guys, like I said with Maxi, like just just forget this season. Don't even. You know, there's yeah. so much footage on him. He's he's good. He did not have a great college year, but neither did Cam Reddish, and I'm pretty sure Cam Reddish he was going to be 10. just yeah. just fine in the pros. Right, even top 10 was like a slip to say that about about Reddish. I mean, if. If Anthony goes 10 in this draft, I think it's like a total steal for whoever who gets him. So what's your final take on Cole and I'll let you go? Yeah, um, well, I'm so glad we're ending with Cole because he's actually a player that I've known the longest. I saw him in eighth grade when he was on this team with Gotti Lewis, who declared to go back to Florida, who yep. will probably be in the draft next year, and Brian Antoine, who was injured and is at Villanova. And the three of them at, as eighth graders, I got to get this film back on the internet some some way I got to go through my drives but it was some of the most entertaining basketball out of like the entire weekend <laughs> from this AU event that I was at so I've known Cole forever I've seen him progress you know I saw when he had his first poster dunk in a game coming down in transition and um, I was really proud of him when he was out for six weeks and North Carolina was horrible this year and it just goes to show how much he loves the game of basketball because he's like no I'm gonna return to the team I'm not going to sit this out. I know I could to, you know, secure my draft stock or whatever, which we've seen players do before. But he came back and played. And he played okay. Like, he wasn't the best. But again, like, you're right. We just need to forget this year ever happened for him. Um, I think where teams are going to have question marks is he he's, he's a talker, right? So it's it's like, do you, do you want that? Is that going to work in our locker room or not? Right. And so um, I think those are the only hesitations with Cole. But his game, he's a competitor. Like, please. please. Yeah, no, I'm, I've, I've seen him around a lot, you know, living in New York City. And, like, I tell this story a lot. But, like, last, uh, I guess before we got to North Carolina, I was finishing a pickup game at, like, 1030 at night on a Wednesday. Um, and he walked in to the gym for, for yeah. a workout on a, on a 1030 at night um, on, on a weekday. And, um, yeah, the kid the kid wants to get better. Um, and so I'm, I'm just – He's got some improvements to make in terms of like being efficient and being a you know great team guy, but uh, psh, I'll, I'll buy I'll buy him. Um, anyway, I think that that should do it. I kept you long enough. Anything you <laughs> want to plug? Uh, anything you got going? 
Uh, no, I mean, just working on draft stuff. I, I'm starting the series. It's called the high school uh, sneak peek, spelled P-E-E-K, like my last name. Nice. So I'm doing a series on um, these guys that are now in the NBA, um, looking back and when I kind of just what I just did, like when I first saw them and posting interviews that I had with them in high school. So we had Zion release this week. I'm actually rehashing the Lamelo versus Zion Williamson game, which, by the way, craziest event I've ever covered in my life was right, a high, was an A basketball game. So <laughs> I'm going to touch on guys like Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell and, you know, just kind of go down the list in the woodwork. But yeah, follow me on Twitter, Instagram for any of these basketball updates. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. Um, definitely follow uh, Kristen uh, at Kristen Peak with Kristen with a Y. Um, hey, this is great. Um, a lot of great stories. I actually want to have you uh, back on here before the draft. Sound good? Oh, yeah. Listen, I'll talk basketball any day, all day with no basketball going on right now. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate you right. having me. Of course. Thanks to Kristen and uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk next week.